Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to another episode of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. There's billions of dollars about to go through the federal government as a result of Trillions. this. Trillions. Well, I'm okay. sorry to keep correcting you, but it's trillions. Well, no, I'm used to you correcting me. For more than 100 episodes, it happens on an ongoing basis, and I'm just used to it at this point. What does? What's the implication for that? My respect for you is so deep. Oh, though. God. What's the implication for that, Robert, in the way that the government will have to get this money out the door, given that it's going to have to happen extremely, extremely quickly? Well, the, the intent is that the money get out the door very quickly, and it is straining agencies' abilities just to do that. What we'll learn is that folks have taken advantage of that and are uh, stealing money, stealing taxpayer dollars through uh, fraud tactics that are well known. Linda Miller is your colleague at Grant Thornton, Robert, as you well know. One of my favorites. I'm telling you this like it's something you don't know. Um, and is a veteran of the Government Accountability Office where she worked on these exact issues. Linda, thanks for coming on FedHeads. It's great to have you. What did you notice? What jumped out at you as you started to see the legislation come out, as the president signed it, and you started to look at this through this lens of experience that you have from GAO? Uh, well, first, thanks for having me on today. Um, when I looked at the amount of money that was going out, through the stimulus, the first thought I had, and it isn't the first thought that everybody has, but since I focus all my time on thinking about fraud risks and fraud waste and abuse, was the enormous opportunity that fraud was going to occur in all of this money going out the door. So that that was my first thought. Um, and, and frankly, the difference between now and 2008, when we last put a whole bunch of money into the economy, is there's a lot that's changed in the last 12 years that have made fraud even more likely to occur this time. Where are the biggest opportunities for the money to go places that it shouldn't go? I mean, that's that's a great question. I, there's so many opportunities. It's kind of hard to, to, to even pick the ones. I mean, certainly the Small Business Administration's payroll protection program is a, um, a extremely vulnerable program to fraud. And, and let me just say, I understand these are hurting businesses and, and, and individuals that absolutely need the money. But there's just about no controls over this this program. It's pretty much just give us your word you're going to use it for payroll. Give us your word that you um, you know you need it that that you're a business that's struggling and and then you get the money. It's it's all based on you know basically self verification. Later on, they need to provide some documentation that they used it for payroll. But how much scrutiny is going to be paid to those documents is is going to you know have a lot to do with how much they'll be able to get back from people who stole the money. Um, and then, of course, those people who stole the money and never give the documents, um, in theory, the loans won't be forgiven, but, you know, they'll be unlikely to be paid back, let's put it that way. And that's unusual. This is an unusually lax program, right? Yeah, and, I mean, you see this, I mean, certainly we see this after disasters, you know, after Hurricane Katrina, which was notorious for fraud, um, looked like, GAO, we, when we did a bunch of reports after Katrina, we found the fraud and improper payment rate to be north of 20%, which is insane. Um, but the way they were giving that money out, they were literally giving out debit cards to people, you know, and they kept, they kept, 
and all you needed was a give them a social security number and I'm sorry, a, a zip code and you get a debit card with a full debit card. This is not dissimilar. It's here's a bunch of money with very little information that you need to provide us in order for us to give you the money. So my concern is that in the aftermath of all this, there's going to be a host of GAO and IG reports that are going to be telling some very woeful tales of the kinds of fraud that, that occurred as a result of these lax controls. Who has to do what to try to avoid that scenario, Linda? A couple of people, a couple of organizations have to do some things. Number one, the agencies that are giving out these uh, large amounts of money really, really need to keep good records of data on who they're giving the money to and collecting as much as they can. That's going to help these oversight committees that have been created in the law, both the Special Inspector General as well as the Pandemic um, Response Accountability Committee. Those two bodies uh, will be tasked with basically paying and chasing down the money where where it went that it shouldn't have. But the only way they'll be able to do that is if they've got data to find where that money went. So agencies really need to be careful about collecting money right or collecting data right now as they're they're putting money out the door is one thing. But the bigger concern, frankly, is the um, the amount of identity theft and synthetic identities and things that occur now that didn't occur 12 years ago. When money is stolen through identity theft, you don't get it back. Those that IG, that special IG, that they're not going to get any of that money back. And so the bigger concern for me is 12 years ago, the the Recovery Act um, instituted a recovery board, and uh, they did a really good job of investigating and 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 prosecuting fraud. In this case, with so many breaches that have occurred in the last 10 years, and so many fraudsters having access to synthetic ID information, my concern is that the the identity theft problem is going to be rampant and they're not going to be able to get that that money back. So what advice do you have for program managers who are responsible for administering these programs in this environment? Well, we, we have a few things. One, we think it's really important to share information on what looks like fraud when it's happening. I mean, a lot of these agencies are going to be targeted by the same fraudsters. So keeping lists of bad actors and sharing fraud schemes and red flags and things to look out for. If they can start doing some data analytics now, they don't have to wait six months or nine months. If they're collecting good data now, they can start doing some exploratory data analysis and looking for patterns that indicate that the fraud can be happening. And that would be really beneficial because you'd start to see, for instance, with small business loans, maybe you're seeing um, a, a very large preponderance of loans going out through one loan agent or all through one single bank, or maybe a new bank has just come online to become an SBA lender where they hadn't been before. So a lot of these rules, um, they're, they're going to show you where there's more risk. You'll be able to use data to identify where there's more risk and start to look at data right now, as in like within the next couple of weeks. And then you can, if, if a loan has been approved and you figure out a week later that that's likely a fraudulent loan, you know, you can start to do something to go back and try to get get additional information and potentially, um, you know, discontinue the funding if you find out that that's a fraudulent loan. So it doesn't have to wait. They don't have to wait six, nine months till IGs are ready to come in and start doing investigations and audits. Nobody in government ever wants to answer this question, Linda, and maybe there isn't a good answer to it. But you said 20% fraud rate after Katrina was outrageous. Is there a number that is reasonable to accept that we're just going to have to live with that, whatever that number is, fill in the blank, or is the goal of zero reasonable? 
Uh, it's absolutely not reasonable. So yes, there's there's going to be fraud without question, and we have to accept that. And it, when the GAO fraud risk management framework came out, we talked about fraud thresholds, fraud risk thresholds. And it was clearly stated right there in the GAO fraud framework that after disasters, your fraud threshold goes up. It's better to pay someone something they're not entitled to than to have someone on the street or not able to you know, buy food. And so naturally, the, the, the tendency is to err on the side of giving people the money. And, and I've, I, I'm, I've, I'm as big a believer in that as anybody. So there's going to be fraud, and that's going to be the cost of something like this. The key is, is it going to be sort of a reasonable amount of fraud? Is it going to be something you might expect, like, you know, in the single-digit percentages? Or are we going to see a fleecing of the government's uh, stimulus money here? And my concern, frankly, is that it could, it could end up being uh, a really epic amount of fraud in the end. So is determining what that right number is an art or a science? Is there a hard number in the fraud community that above this amount is not acceptable, below this amount we can live with, or does it depend on a variety of factors, Linda? What I'm getting at is at at what point two years from now or five years from now or ten years from now do we look at this the way that you just looked at Katrina and say, by this measure, this wasn't good or this was okay? Well, the average organization is estimated to lose about 5% of their revenues to fraud. That's public and private across the globe. So, I mean, if we, can, if we looked back on this in a few years and that they, they could calculate the total amount of loss and it was 5%, that'd be a huge success. I think if you only lost 5%, that'd be a huge success. Now, c- c- multiply 5% by $2 trillion and, you know, it's, it's $100 billion. It's a lot of money. So if you think about how much fraud is really going to happen even under the best of circumstances, and the problem with, with, with that fraud rate that I just quoted is that's a business. You know, those are business decisions. That's shareholder money, technically. This is taxpayer money. I mean, I don't think most taxpayers are comfortable with the idea that billions of their, of their tax dollars were stolen. And so it, it is different in the government. That threshold number gets a lot more emotional when you're talking about taxpayer money. You followed closely the different accountability organizations that have been stood up in law, what confidence do you have that they will replicate the success of the recovery board in holding the government and fraudsters accountable for reducing waste, fraud, and abuse? Well, we aren't off to a great start, uh, you know, with these accountability um, mechanisms, as, you know, as as the news would would indicate. So I don't feel particularly hopeful right now that these are going to be all that effective because they haven't really seemed to have even been able to get off the ground with leadership. It looks like there's going to be a lot of partisan fighting over whether that special IG will be um, approved by Congress and and then whether these IGs that are supposed to chair this pandemic response accountability committee will even keep their jobs and in then beyond that be able to do their jobs effectively. So this is an environment that is somewhat hostile to oversight and I think that's going to be a significant barrier to, to that to the success of those of those organizations. Well, great, you're always full of sunshine. <laughs> this is terrific insight into understanding this challenge, Linda. And we're grateful for you coming and talk about it with us today. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thanks for having. Thanks me. for being here. Good to see you, Linda. Thanks for listening to the Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.